0: A few weeks ago, my son Simon uh, called me and he said, "Hey, Dad, um, I've got a, a building project that I'm going to start, and I was wondering if you wanted to help me." And before I got off the phone, I was like as giddy as a little schoolgirl. I mean, ever since he's a little boy, that's all I wanted to do. Is like, do it's like for me, it was like the ultimate father-son bonding thing, is to do a building project with my with my son. I, I did not dream, however, that it would be building a chicken coop in the middle of the city of Marion, but you take what you can get, right? Um, ever since he was a little boy, uh, he, his, his interest in such things has kind of ebbed and flowed, but he, you remember last week when I showed you the, the uh, picture of our, my family when they were young, my kids were young? I was young too, I guess. Um. Uh, he was probably three or four in that picture, maybe. Well, that was when he first began to express some kind of interest in, in construction because when he was little, about four years old, he wanted a hammer as a present. And I'm thinking, yes! And his mother goes, no. Because a hammer, even though it's a good thing, right? It's a very helpful thing. It's it's a good tool. A hammer in the hands of of a four-year-old can be instead of constructive it can be destructive right so lisa said if you're going to give him a hammer at the very least you have to instruct him on how to use the hammer before you just give it to him and say go to it right well i want you to keep that image in your mind this morning as uh, we continue our journey through paul's letter letters to the corinthians i want you to imagine paul as the Father or spiritual father of some young Christians, his children, his spiritual children in the um, in the Church of Corinth, because what you will discover is that um, Paul is finding himself, I imagine anyway, feeling the same way I felt about Simon. Excited because because his children are are passionate about something that he's passionate about, but also recognizing and understanding that um, while he is called to encourage them, he also also needs to instruct them so that um, these new interests and passions that they're embracing might be constructive rather than destructive. Okay, So if you have your Bibles, open them up to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that's found, if you're using the church Bibles, that's on 1,139, if that helps. And as you're looking that up, as I try to do every week, I'll give you uh, a little bit of background that hopefully will help um, as, we, as we look at the passage for today. As I was reflecting on our passage for today, it struck me that um, this image of a doting father uh, wanting to encourage as well as guide his children is really one that um, is good to keep in mind as we study the entire book, actually the two books, First and Second Corinthians, because that's what he's doing. He 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 find the, his his children are expressing a passion, the same passion that he has for Christ, and what he is discerning is that there's along, as they experience these new passions. There needs to be guidance and instruction because they're um, continually stumbling and falling along the way, right? We, as we have studied 1 Corinthians, what have we discovered? As these cr- new Christians have been experiencing the faith together, they have struggled, they have, they have fallen, they've made a lot of mistakes. So he's trying his very best to encourage as well as instruct so that this, this new passion called Christian faith will be constructive rather than destructive in their lives and in the world. So I want you to keep that in mind as we move into um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, As we move into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is introducing another uh, kind of a new facet of their passion, and it is the introduction of spiritual gifts. And it says in verse 1, in verse 1 he says, And now, brothers and sisters, concerning spiritual gifts, I would prefer that you not be ignorant. Now, the thing that you need to understand is that this really, in in one sense, it wasn't a new concept to them. The spiritual gifts wasn't a new concept to them because spiritual gifts had already started to manifest in the church. And... So And when, as they began to manifest, he was beginning to see that this is a good thing and I want to encourage it, but I also can see this is going to, could be a destructive thing too, so they, I need to give them some, um, some fundamental lessons upon which they can um, move forward with their passion and their giftedness. So that's what we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We find the Apostle Paul as spiritual father to his spiritual children trying to encourage as well as instruct in the topic of spiritual gifts. So, he gives them four fundamental lessons in this chapter. Things that they had to learn for for these tools that God has given them to be constructive rather than destructive. Lesson number one. This is found in verse 3, by the way. Lesson number one is, when dealing in the things of the Spirit, you need to exercise uh, discernment. It says in, chapter, or in verse 3, it says, it says, no one can say, in the Spirit, can say, or no one that is, wait a minute, how's that go? What's it say? Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I wish you not to be uninformed. He says, no one in the Spirit can say Jesus is accursed. Did you hear that? No one in the Spirit can say Jesus is accursed. And by the same token, unless you're in the Spirit, you can't say Jesus is Lord. What he's saying here is that discernment is necessary when it comes to spiritual gifts. Because there's going to be things going on that... um, that you're going to wonder, is that of God or is that, not, is that not of God? So exercise discernment. And the litmus test for exercising discernment is what? Jesus. It's a good lesson, fundamental lesson in general. If you're wanting to know whether someone should be listened to or whether something is something that you should invest in in your life, ask yourself the question, where does Jesus fit into all this, right? Big deal. It's not, it's not rocket science but it is a big, big deal. Lesson number two, verses uh, four and five. Lesson number two is all gifts come from the Lord and all gifts, all gifts, listen to me, all gifts have the same purpose. You're gonna discover here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there's a list of a whole bunch of gifts and every single one of them have the same purpose. The question is, what's the purpose? It's a twofold purpose. The first purpose is to glorify God. And the second purpose, or the, the second part of that one purpose, is to further the kingdom. To glorify God and to further the kingdom. They go together. Every spiritual gift, every tool of the Spirit has the same purpose. To glorify God and to further the kingdom. Lesson number three, verses six and seven. Um, If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen to me, you've got to listen very carefully to what I'm saying. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have at least one spiritual gift. Everybody does. If He is your Lord and Savior, you have at least one spiritual gift. Now, I say that to you, I, I emphasize that for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons I emphasize that is because um, there were some people in the Corinthian church who were—they were the, their, their gifts were beginning to manifest themselves, and they were going, look at me, I'm super spiritual! Everyone who has accepted Jesus as Lord has at least one spiritual gift. You are special, but you're not super spiritual. Just because you have a gift. Everybody has one. Lesson number four. This is in verse 11. Um, And this is pretty important, so listen closely to this one too. God is the giver of these gifts. Which means... That God is the one that determines which gifts you get, not you. Do I need to say that again? It's different than a lot of other gifts. So it's all right. If you want to ask your spiritual pop, if you want to ask God for a particular spiritual gift, totally fine. No problem with that at all. But if God is your Lord, you're going to trust him enough to give him, that he will give you what, you what he wants you to have rather than what you want to have. And sometimes those are different things. Listen to me now. You have a spiritual gift if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, but the gift that you have is one that has been determined by God, not you. Fundamentally important for you to grab a hold of. Now, you may have noticed up to this particular point that I haven't spent any time talking about the specifics of the spiritual gifts that are listed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That is by design. I chose, the truth of the matter is, I could, um, I, could, I could do a whole sermon series on this one chapter, discussing and helping you to define and discern um, what spiritual gifts, what these specifics of these spiritual gifts are. The reason why I chose not to focus on the specifics is because I know you. And, and because you're like me. And what happens is that when you start focusing on the spiritual gifts, you get really excited. That'd be cool. I wonder what that's like. And then you miss the forest for the trees. Now, what am I talking about? I was fearful that if we started, if we spend a lot of time talking about the specifics of the spiritual gifts, you wouldn't have listened to me with regards to the fundamental lessons that you need in order to exercise those spiritual gifts. If you... If what has been said today, if what you've read in these passages, is is inspiring to you, if you want to learn more about the specifics of your spiritual gift or how to go about discovering your spiritual gifts, come and talk to me or come and talk to Pastor Billy. I would love. In fact, we've been talking about it. In the next few months, we're gonna we're gonna um, spend some time um, as a church doing. Um, some more exploration of the, the specifics of the spiritual gifts. One of the other things I want you to notice is that this list here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is not exhaustive there are there's there are spiritual gifts scattered all throughout the bible old testament and new testament for example in romans chapter 12 romans chapter 12 there's another list of spiritual gifts if you look in ephesians chapter 4 you'll find some more spiritual gifts one of my favorites is in the old testament exodus chapter 31 verse 3 it talks about the spiritual gift of craftsmanship i love that one so if you want to know more by the way in your if you didn't catch all of those if you look on your sermon notes those passages are lifted listed right there if you want to look them up later and and uh, read them for yourself please do Um, before i close today i wanted to um, address a couple of what i would describe as frequently asked questions with regards to spiritual gifts and before i get there i'm going to give a little disclaimer i probably don't need to say it but i'm going to say it anyway um, the answers that I'm going to give to these frequently asked questions, I believe wholeheartedly, but don't accept everything that I say without testing it yourself. All right? Because there, there are godly scholar, biblical scholars who might hear the, the answers that I give to these questions and say, you know, I don't, I don't totally agree with that, and that's okay. Because I don't, I don't know everything. So if you hear something and it doesn't fit right with your spirit, study it yourself and figure it out, okay? With that caveat, let me say this. This is the first frequently asked question. Pastor, you mentioned a moment ago that anybody who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior um, has at least one spiritual gift. Well, there's a problem. Um, I don't. I feel like I don't have any gifts. What's that all about? Now, I don't know if that's you or not, but listen to me if indeed, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have at least one spiritual gift. It's a promise from God, and God keeps His promises, okay? The question then you have to ask yourself is, have I asked Him to be my Lord? Because see, there's a big difference between believing in Jesus and having Him as your Lord. And it's only when you, when you submit to Him as Lord, that the Holy Spirit then fills you. Because God is a gentleman. And God's not going to force Himself into your life. When you submit to Him as Lord, you're inviting the Holy Spirit to take control of you. And that's when the, the gift of the Spirit, at least one, And you, as, you, as you go on, as you continue to mature in faith, it's possible that God will give you more spiritual gifts. But if you haven't been able to manifest a gift at this particular point in your life, ask yourself the question, have I truly accepted Jesus as Lord? And some of you say, well, yeah, I have. I say, are you truly seeking the gifts of the Spirit? You see, if you haven't haven't recognized gifts of the Spirit in your life, and you haven't been seeking gifts of the Spirit in your life, those kind of go together. You have responsibility too. God's got it there for you. But if you don't want it, if you're not searching for it, it's just going to sit on the shelf. You have responsibility. You have, you have to, to grow into this too. Okay? Lastly, um, remember lesson four? What was lesson four? God is the giver of the gifts and he's the one that decides which gifts you get. If you've been seeking the gifts of the Spirit, but you only receive the gifts of the Spirit that you want, it's not the way it works. God's the one that decides which gifts you get. That's called lordship, right? So if, you're, if you said, I've been searching for my gifts, I've been, I've been studying, but I haven't... Ask yourself the question, do I really want the gift that God wants for me or do I want, only really want what I want? Lordship is key. Okay. Frequently asked question number two. Um, Pastor, as I've looked over this list of uh, spiritual gifts in the Bible, I have discerned that there appears to be certain gifts that don't um, seem to be present in the world today, specifically the supernatural gifts. Why is that? Do they not exist today? Are they meant for a different time and season, only in the Bible times? Listen to me. Every spiritual gift is meant for today, because today is God's day, all right? Now you may be saying, well, well, if that's true, how come we don't see miraculous things, supernatural things like they they read about in the Bibles? Uh, Like, well, what's that all about? Well, listen to what I'm about to tell you, because this is the truth. The truth of the matter is God is doing miraculous things every day every day, all around you. But we are so arrogant and sophisticated that when something miraculous happens, especially those of us here in the West, in the Western kind of civilized cultures, right? When something miraculous happens, our first inclination is not to glorify God. Our first inclination is there's got to be a rational explanation truth and then when we look for the rational explanation and we can't find one is our next um thought well i need to glorify god because it's a miracle no our next one is well maybe i don't know it but there's got to be one and what is the purpose of every spiritual gift to glorify God and to further the kingdom. And if we're not willing to glorify God, even when there's something miraculous in front of us, that, well, we can't, I just can't, I just can't identify why it's happening, what, what, what is happening. Why would God do it? If we're going to be that arrogant, why would God gift us that way? As is the case most of the time when we see a conflict in the Word of God the problem isn't God. The problem is us. Remember that. Ultimately everything that we have talked about today has the same purpose. To glorify God and to further the kingdom. You want to know what would glorify God and further the kingdom the most? It's when You accept Jesus as Lord. And it is from that that everything flows. Believing is not enough. You know the Bible says that even demons believe. Did you know that? It's the Lordship that changes everything of trusting and believing and wanting what he wants, most of all, that's what changes everything. That's what glorifies God and furthers the kingdom. It's also what sets free the power of God and the tools of God to be used in and through you. So if you've never made the conscious decision to accept Jesus as your Lord, maybe today is the day you should. Um, right over there, that, uh, that open door is um, our prayer room. If you'd like to pray that prayer with your pastor, you certainly don't need to. You can do that all on your own, you and the Lord. But if you'd like to pray that prayer with your pastor, it'd be my privilege. I'll be right over there. If there's something else going on in your life that you'd like to pray with your pastor about, again, I'll be right over there.